Welcome to All In. I'm Rick Jordan. Today I'm the CEO of a large technology company, but in 2007, I lost it all. And now I'm here to share the lessons I've learned and the strategies my guests have used to build success from the bottom up. And in every episode, you'll get something to reach for and something to grab onto, whether it's personal development, business, technology, or giving back. You'll be able to ignite the spark in your life to make that change and transformation so 10 years down the road from now, you'll be able to look back and say, I don't even know that person that I was. I'm so glad I decided to rise. I'm so glad I decided to stand up and actually begin to start to ignite the spark, to go all in. Hey, welcome back to All In with Rick Jordan. Today I have an amazing guest, a great friend in studio with me, Rondi Lambeth. Hey, Rondi. Hey, good to be here. Awesome. I really appreciate you coming on. So let's start. Tell everyone just a little bit about you and what cool stuff you do. Hmm. Well, I'm uh, currently I own Fortress Credit Pro, America's first and most successful paid-on results credit repair company. So I help people that have blemishes on their credit report, and we fix their credit up front and bill them later. Retired fireman, and and we just help people with their money. Really, celebrity wealth coach. I help people. Make more money, pay less taxes, and create generational wealth. That is beautiful. I, uh, I've had my run-ins with credit, as I'm sure all of us have over the past several years uh, you know, or, or lifetimes. Mine hit me about 10 years ago when I was laid off from my job, my last actual job that I've ever held. And that's when I started independently, became an entrepreneur. And it was literally because my twins were born, right? They were 11-year-old twins. Well, they're 11 now, but when they were born 11 years ago, it was literally do I buy them formula to eat or pay my mortgage? And that was not that hard of a choice, to be honest with you. You know, it was, I need to feed my kids. We'll figure out the rest of it, but that's kind of just the basics of life. And my score slipped into the 400s, man. It was crazy, you know, and it stuck there for several years. And I'm sure this, I'm not the only person with this type of story. You know, my mortgage went 90 days past due. I had foreclosure notices. You know, I was about four days away from being homeless at that point in time. And I was able to climb back out of that. But I really wish I had somebody like you that I knew around to be able to sort of lay the foundation and the roadmap for me. You know, because everyone has misconceptions of credit. It's crazy. You know, one, one that I hear a lot is... When I tell people that I have over 30 credit cards right now, they're like, oh, my God. First, they think you have so much debt, right? And I'm yeah. like, no, they all have zero balances. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> they're all used every single month, mm-hmm. too. But they're like, oh, well, well, that hurts your credit score. You know, so there's so many myths out there, too. You know, so what, what's your mission with all this? You know? you know, the mission with it is is educating people on facts. And like you said, there's a lot of myths, and it's done on purpose. The credit bureaus started this whole thing in 1902. The, the legal name is a credit reporting agency. And after the Federal Bureau of Investigation was created, the, the reporting agencies got together and said, let's start calling ourselves a bureau, a credit bureau. There are a lot of people here in America and throughout the world that think the credit bureau is a government agency. Wow. And they're not. They are for-profit corporations who spy on you, record everything you do, everything you buy, and then they sell that to marketing companies and to potential creditors. So they spread the lies and the myths and 
you know, they, they like to spread it through their banks. They like to spread it through real estate agents and mortgage brokers and title companies. And then they, they create fake, fake news on blogs and stuff online. And there's just a lot of confusion. And then you, everybody's got the brother-in-law that knows everything. And I, I call that the, the storage shed effect where if, if you went in your backyard and you decided to build a storage shed, everybody would have their advice on how to build that storage shed. But if you went back there to build a rocket launch platform, it would be crickets from all of your friends and family. They don't know anything about it. But with credit, because it affects everybody, everybody thinks they know what it is. And most of what people know is the opposite of what they should be doing. For example, with the credit cards, you have 30 plus credit cards. They think you're in debt and that's bad. Um, it's the opposite. The more credit cards you have, the bigger, bigger your credit file is, the higher your credit score is. And the lower that maybe overutilizing a credit card or a late payment is going to impact you. Where if, let's say you only had three credit cards and you have one late payment. I looked at a credit report this morning. Young lady has three credit cards. She missed one payment. She dropped 200 points. Wow. Where if you, with 30 credit cards, if you missed a point, I mean, if you missed a payment, you might drop five points, maybe 10, because you have a thick file. Okay. And so the likelihood of you going late is extremely low. And, and that's FICO's entire purpose. Their job is to predict the future over the next two years. And your credit score is a direct relationship of what they think you will have a late payment or the likelihood of you going late over the next two years. Yeah. The higher your score, the lower likelihood. So when you have... 30 credit cards and 10 years history of never missing a payment and you have a hiccup, it's no big deal. Worse versus if you have a credit card that's three months old and you miss a payment, it's a big deal. And think about it in the terms of car insurance. When you're 16 years old, you pay extremely high rates. Versus now, I mean, today you're driving a Lamborghini. The insurance on that is probably, what, 150 bucks a month. Yep. My Ferrari is about $150 a month for the insurance. If I had had that Ferrari when I was 16 years old, I'd be paying seven, dollars $800 a month because the likelihood of me as a 16-year-old boy wrecking the Ferrari is extremely high. Oh, yeah. Versus as a 47-year-old man with no accidents in 31 years of driving, it's really low. And so I it shows up on my premium. So back to the original thing with the, the myths, the credit bureaus spread it. The banks spread it and the mortgage brokers and real estate agents and title companies and your brother-in-law and sister-in-law, they all spread misinformation on credit. That's and so we want to make it so it's not spread. Absolutely. There was a, several things you mentioned in there. You, everyone knows that they have a credit score, right? I, I think it's astounding because I, I, if I have a conversation with somebody and I don't talk about money much in, in regular conversation, I do when we're in sessions like this, you know, to educate everyone. But if I were to ask just a man on the street question, hey, do you know your credit score? How many people would tell me, no, I don't know it? Uh, to me, it seems like it's insanely high. 
you know what they find out their credit score when they go to apply for credit and get declined it seems you know in the last credit card they applied for 6 months ago or the auto loan that they just got a high interest rate for you know they got 10% on a uh, Chevy Cruze or something like that you know a really low dollar amount high interest rate loan you know that's when they find their credit score out which is insane to me because it's something that you should almost know just like your social security number i would think yeah your, your credit score is the most important number in your life, or it should be. And it, it's less, and, and this, this number is going to shock you, it's less <laughs> than 20% of Americans know their credit score. Dang. 80% of Americans have not looked at their credit report in at least one year. 50% of Americans haven't looked at their credit report in the last five years. It, it's just shocking. I am blown away. And when you have poor credit, you pay more for everything, your gas, your groceries, your car insurance, your electricity. Everything costs more when you have bad credit. And unfortunately, you can have poor credit, which is similar to bad credit. So I, I recently looked That's at- That's a distinction there, poor credit there, versus- There is. Okay. Um, you know who Grant Cardone is? Yeah. Grant Cardone, a year ago, I was in his office, and Grant has a low 600 credit score. That's bad. That's a poor credit score. Grant doesn't have bad credit. He has poor credit, poor scores. And it's because, you know, Grant's now uh, has over a billion dollars in apartment complex loans. It's not that Grant doesn't have the money. It's that he doesn't use his personal credit to buy anything. He uses business credit. Okay. And so when you get guys like Grant or Dave Ramsey – that says credit's not important, cash is king, debt is dumb. Um, when you're ultra wealthy, it doesn't matter if you have to pay 5% more for gas or groceries or electricity or insurance. In the scheme of things, it doesn't matter to them whatsoever. But for you and I and, and the majority of Americans, a few hundred dollars a month, it, it adds up. you know. And, and what I mean by paying more for gas and groceries – when you go get gas in that Lamborghini, it's going to cost about $3 a gallon. And if you pay cash or debit card or a check, if someone would take a check, it's going to cost $3 a gallon. Yeah. If you use an American Express or a Costco City card, um, it's not going to cost $3 a gallon. It's going to cost $2.85 a gallon. And that's because you get 5% cash back on gas up to 1500 bucks a year. So that's $1,500 a year that you're getting back via cash back. So really, it's not costing you $3 a gallon. It's costing you $2.85. Yeah, and the, that city Costco card you talk about, I have that card. Yeah. And you have to have excellent you credit. you got to have good credit. Yes, in right? order to get that card. Yeah, and so that's what I mean by everything costs more. If you went and bought a gallon of milk... Um, or in your case, you have a bunch of little rugrats running around the house and you buy clothes and they run out of clothes and there's a lot of groceries and there's a lot of stuff you're doing that if you're using your credit cards and paying them off every month so it doesn't cost you anything, there's no interest involved, um, you're paying less than someone that pays with a debit card or credit card or debit card or cash. It is instantly giving yourself a raise. You instantly get a raise. And you know, 76% of Americans are paycheck to paycheck. 67% of Americans, this, this number is shocking, 67% of Americans, if their life depended on it, they could not come up with $1,000. 
Wow. That's 67%. That's almost two out of every three people. If their life depended on it, could not come up with $1,000. Whereas if they just had good credit and they just took the cash back, they'd have over $1,000 in their bank account. If they just literally took that money and left it in the bank. Just from groceries or gas. groceries and gas and internet and... You know, I pay my rent on my house in Las Vegas. I pay it with my American Express card. <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> you know, and, and I have to pay the property manager $50, no, $40 a month as a convenience fee. But I get almost, let's say it's $6,000 a month. So I get one and a half points. So I get, what, 9,000 points, which is the same as $90. So I essentially make $50 a month to pay my rent with American Express card. 600 bucks a year. That's beautiful. So, you know, people, they don't really understand how credit works. And with that, what most people think is the opposite of how credit works. And, you know, they think, well, I have money. I had this conversation yesterday with a young lady. She said, well... Why doesn't how much money I make affect my credit score? And I said, well, that would not be fair. Because if you're rich, you'd have good credit. If you're poor, you'd have bad credit. That's discrimination. discrimination. She goes, well, I have a lot of money in my bank account. Why doesn't that show up? Because that would not be fair. They need to make it fair across the board. So regardless of the color of your skin, your sex, your religion, your uh, how much money you make, none of that impacts your credit score. It's how you use your credit that impacts your score. So if you borrow... They want to know that the bank, whoever it is, is going to get that money back. Yeah, they want to know what's the likelihood of you defaulting. And that's all FICO's doing is what's the likelihood over the next two years of you going 90 days late or longer. Yeah. That's all they're trying to figure out. FICO, everyone hears about that too, that FICO. And then talked about credit bureaus and scores. So what is, because I believe that most Americans don't even know the answer to this question, what is a good credit score. What do you want to shoot for? You want to shoot for anything over 740. And and the reason for that is is that when you have a 740, there's a less likelihood of you being late over the next two years. So the FICO score model is 300 to 850. That That's the trademarked term, 300 to 850. If you write that down, so if you're listening to this right now and you're driving, don't do it, but just hit pause or whatever. But write down 300 to 850, put a period between the two zeros on 300. So it's 30.0. And then on 80, 850, put a zero between, or a period between 5 and 0, so it's 85. So now it looks like 30 to 85. Then put a percentage sign behind the 30.0 and the 85.0. It's a 30% to 85% chance or likelihood of you paying your bills on time over the next two years. Oh, wow. That's what it means. So now when you start talking about what's your credit score, I got a 606. Well, that means there's a 60.6% chance of you paying your bills on time over the next two years. I would not lend money to somebody that has that score that it's really a flip of a coin whether they're actually going to pay me back yeah and and that's now i'm fico certified so i'm a fico certified credit professional i've looked at tens of thousands of credit reports i testify in court um, on behalf of consumers that are suing banks that number is 
a, a range. It's not a, a specific science like the FICO score is. There's lots that goes into this algorithm, but that's roughly what it means. So if you think about it, a 500 credit score, there's a 50-50 chance. If you got a 770, well, there's a 70% chance. Now when you get in the 750, 760, 77, now there's, you know, if you got a 750 credit score, there's a 75% chance you're going to pay on time over the next two years. And that's how the banks are looking at it. It was what is the percentage? And some banks like Credit One, for example, Credit One is a high risk credit card. They're down the street. Uh, they're in Las Vegas as their headquarters. And they typically only loan to people with bad credit, the 500s. And they know it's a 50-50 chance, but they're going to charge you 30% interest. Plus, on a $300 credit limit, they're going to charge you a $295 application fee. Yeah. So if you do max out the card and don't pay, and 90% of all late payments happen within the first two years of it being open, hey, they got $295 application fee, so they're breaking even if you default. And if you don't default, then they charge you a monthly fee, and they're making money every time you process it because the merchant, the grocery store, is paying those fees when you use that card to them. And, and that's how these American Express and the Capital Ones, you know, Capital One Venture, for example, gives you 2% cash back, unlimited points, never expired. How do they? How can they afford to do that if you're, in your case, you're paying off the card every month? Yeah. How can they afford to give you literally hundreds of thousands of dollars in cash back and you're not paying interest, and it's a fifty-seven to fifty-nine dollar annual fee. It's because the merchants, when you swipe that card, you go to the gas station, and they give you five percent cash back. It's because they're charging the merchant four or five percent. That's key. Yeah, a lot of Americans don't know that that even exists. So if you go to, I don't know, if you buy a one hundred dollar item at Best Buy, you buy a new a new camera or something like that for a hundred dollars. You swipe the card, Best Buy pays American Express $3. Correct. Approximately for that. And that's the cost of being able to accept that card. Correct. And, you know, Best Buy is going to do it because the average American doesn't have the cash, so they have to use their credit. Yeah. And it's just the cost of doing business. And that's why when you go to these stores, especially around Christmas time, the reason they're doing that is because when they use their own card, they're not paying the three percent because it's their card. Yeah, and so In-house. they just increase their profit margins significantly, not by three percent, but actually more than that because of the way that compounding works. Yeah, so on a thirty billion dollar corporation like Best Buy, saving three percent—that's huge. It's nine hundred million dollars. Yeah, <laughs> something like that. Maybe not. Maybe it's ninety million. Yeah, but... that blows my mind. That blows my mind. Yeah. So. Th- we talked about the good score. You've said FICO a lot too. And I have friends too that'll say, Oh, I get my credit score from my credit card. You know, they they tell it to me every month, whether it's City or I think Bank of America uses FICO now, something like that, or Chase. You know, they actually tell you what your real FICO score is. And I, I know this because I know what my score is. I'm saying real, you know, but there's a lot of different scores out there, right? That are not FICO. Yes. There are many, many scores. In fact, there's in just FICO alone, there's over 4,200 different scorecards. And then there's over 10 different versions. So if you do 10 times 4,200, there's 42,000 different versions of the FICO score. 
Then you throw on Vantage, you throw on Trans Risk. Um, it, it just it just gets bigger and bigger. And so when you get the free score, like through Credit Karma or Credit Wise yeah, or yeah. Capital One or Discover, you may or may not be getting a FICO score. And if you do get a FICO score, it's most likely a FICO 10 credit card score, which is different than a mortgage FICO score or a car dealership FICO score or a student loan FICO score. Um, and so that that's a range. And it's still 300 to 850, but it's different scorecards. And what a scorecard is, is... They, they have the 300 to 850. That's the range. That's the general range. But let's say you just file bankruptcy and you do everything right. Well, you can't have an 850, so they're going to do the scorecard now 400 to 700. So the highest score you will have over the next 10 years is a 700 if you do everything right because you file bankruptcy. It wasn't the bankruptcy that took away the 100 points. It's the scorecard. Now you have a bankruptcy and then you have a collection after the bankruptcy was discharged, you just went into a super high risk score model. So now the highest you could ever have is a 600 until the collections cleared up. Then you throw a late payment on there. Now you're like 550 and you can do everything right. And the highest you will ever be is a 550 until you come out of that model or scorecard. That's amazing. And then on top of that, you have FICO model two, three, four, five, all the way up to 10. And FICO 10 is really just used on the free sites right now. FICO 8's used on some of those credit card sites. But on mortgages, it's FICO Model 2. And as a software guy, can you imagine using a model, Windows 95, on your computer stuff right now? <laughs> it's a little broke. Okay, Windows 95. FICO Model 2 was created in 1996. Why do they still use this? Because for the federal government says they have to. What? Fannie Mae says if you're going to do mortgages, you have to use FICO Model 2 because this is how FICO got so big was FICO paid lobbyists to convince Congress that the only trusted model was FICO. And so Fannie Mae bought into it and said if you're going to issue mortgages, you have to use FICO and it has to be Model 2. Now, Model 2 was developed in 1996, so it's, it's 22 years old. It's completely outdated. But why do banks like to use FICO Model 2? Because it's so outdated, it's, it artificially deflates or lowers your credit score. Now, your interest rates are based largely on your scores. So if you use a FICO Model 2, you might be, let's say, a 710. But if you use FICO Model 8 or 10 you'd be a 780. Now, there's a big difference on what you're going to pay in interest between a 710 and a 780. So the mortgage companies are okay with using this 22-year-old software because they can charge more money and they make more in interest fees. You know, I, I felt the brunt of that firsthand a couple of years ago when I built my last house. And the bank was asking, you know, just as a loan officer would, you know, well, what's your score? Do you know? My score is 830. I have FICO credit monitoring. My score is 830 across all three bureaus. Like, oh, well, you're golden. Yeah. I'm like, great. They run it, and it, it's like, oh, you don't have an 830, man. And I'm pulling up my phone, and I'm looking at it right on my phone yeah. on the FICO app. And I'm like, yes, I do. It goes, yeah. oh, no, you're a 757. Yep. <laughs> I'm like, what? And, I'm and a that, jumbo jet. Yeah. That is because they use FICO Model 2 with mortgages. And then if you go to a car dealership, they use FICO Model 5. And 
that was developed in 2005. And so that's why you'll see car dealership scores higher than mortgage broker scores. And then what you were looking at was your FICO Model 10 or Model uh, 8, depending on which version of it, or depending on what website you were looking at. FICO, if you go to myfico.com, yeah, it's, FICO, what I've got. It, it's yeah. FICO 10. And no one's using FICO 10 right now. Okay. And, and why they're not using it is because they got to go years of data before they could sell it to a bank. Because remember, the they're trying they're trying to predict the future over the next two years. Yeah, yeah. And they don't want to screw that up. And it's literally billions, with a B, of data transferred back and forth every single day. Well, I bet. They have to prove the concept. Just like your software analogy, when Windows 10 comes out or whatever the next version of Windows <laughs> is going to be, not everybody will jump on that right away because they want to see if it's stable yeah. at first. We do the same thing in my technology firm is we wait two years to even upgrade any client that exists because of that to prove it. Yeah, that's called the bleeding edge of technology, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> Unfortunately, I, I'm a sucker to that. When something new comes out, I buy it, and then I'm I'm one of the test models or the test subjects of the software. Yeah. <laughs> you know? But it, that's exactly what they're doing is they're trying to – they're trying to get their model dialed in and the scorecards and the matrix. So that way, when they release it to the banks, they know beyond a shadow of a doubt, this is going to predict the future within 99.9% accuracy. Yeah, that's mind boggling, man. There's so much that goes into this. So out of all the scores, FICO is the one that matters, right? As of right now, it is. Vantage is really trying to push their way into the market. Um, they, they're even going is far to say that FICO has a monopoly and they haven't got very far with that because it's the government that yeah. is using FICO and forcing people to use FICO. But I think over the next few years, you'll see Vantage use more and more. There are a few credit card companies now that are using Vantage and it's because Vantage is cheaper. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and people think that you get this stuff for free. There's no such thing as a free score or free report. Someone's paying for it. So with your Discover, Chase, City, Capital One, you get the the monitoring service through CreditWise or whatever the, the system they're using. They're paying for that score. Uh, when you when you go to a car dealership and you apply for a loan, the car dealership will pay the intermediate party, and then they pay Experian, Equifax, and TransUnion, and then Equifax, TransUnion, Experian pay FICO. So none of it's free. It's just the cost of doing business. You got to, someone's going to pay FICO. Someone always pays. And that's why there was a multi-billion dollar lawsuit that FICO filed against Experian for copying FICO when they created Vantage. Now, you now, mentioned Experian. Yeah, I don't mean to yeah. cut you off. And the they have their Vantage score. Yep. This is another thing with Americans that I see as a myth. It's like, oh, I have a credit report. A a credit, credit report, report. Yeah. yes. Yeah. And without getting really down in the trenches and going down rabbit holes, um, there's nobody in America that's ever seen, or no consumer that's ever seen a credit report. Yeah. <laughs> so when you pull it up, it, that's not a credit report. That is a consumer disclosure. Yeah. It's not a report. The only people that see a true credit report are the, the credit reporting agencies, Equifax, TransUnion, and Experian. That's the credit report. Three of them, three bureaus. Well, there's more, but those yeah. are the three big, yeah. three big ones. Um, and then there's Invenis, and there's hundreds of other little companies out there. When you look at it, it's a consumer 
disclosure, not a credit report. But they're just again, it's it's the credit bureaus spreading lies and and misinformation by you know calling themselves a credit bureau. Yeah, well, we can't live without them because right now they are so entrenched in everything that we do in finance. The whole, our whole finance system is kind of backed up around that, right? Yeah, you can. You can live without them. Okay. You know, um, it, it's it's going to be very difficult. Yeah. I mean, there are people in America that don't have computers or cell phones or internet. Yeah, credit um, cards. Yep. I grew up with no running water, no electricity, getting my food out of a dumpster. I mean, we made it. But life is so much easier when you have good credit. Yes. You know? And the other thing with credit is it's it's a lot like insurance, you know, if you went and wrecked the Lamborghini today and you didn't have insurance, it's going to be really hard for you to get insurance on the car after you total it. Yeah. If your house is on fire, you can't call the insurance company and say, hey, my house is on fire. I need insurance now. And that's kind of how credit scores work is your scores are for the future, not for the present or the past. And you need to work on that today. So in a year from now, if you lose your job, you have the credit to get a new job. And I bring that up because 76% of employers, myself included, the first thing I'm going to do before I even interview you is pull your credit. Because we deal with social security numbers, we deal with credit card numbers, and we have literally hundreds of thousands of social security numbers in in our database. I'm not going to hire someone that's got really bad credit or a felon. So that's the first thing I do, along with 76% of other employers in the United States. So credit is extremely important. Absolutely. So those who are just starting out in life, and maybe this is a, if you can give them the one thing to, to work on or to, to start preparing for when they're in their young 20s, right? Because you can't get a credit card in, until you're 18, your own, your own account. That, that's just the way the law is written. But where do they start? What's the one thing you, you would be able to tell them to take away? The one thing is you need to get at least three credit cards immediately. Uh, credit cards are approximately 60 to 70%, depending on which model you're looking at, of your credit score. And without credit cards, you're never going to have good or great credit. So I would recommend getting the credit cards as fast as possible, whether they're secured or unsecured, doesn't matter. And then when you have those credit cards, you use them like a debit card and you pay them off in full every single month. If you do that one thing, it, it, it won't matter. Your credit score is irrelevant at that point because you're doing it right. It's kind of like a high school diploma. If you got one, no one ever cares. They don't even want to see it. But the, if you put on your application, you don't have a high school diploma, there's issues that will come up with employers. They want to see that you completed something in your life. And it's the same thing with credit. They want to see three credit cards, paid off every month and if you do that you don't have to pay interest you don't have to be in debt but you will always have great credit your entire life if you have three credit cards you manage properly you pay them off in full every year or every month if, if you do that one thing credit's not going to be an issue for you that's beautiful hey thanks for coming on today where can all the listeners find you and find out things that you might offer to them to help them with this journey you can go to my website, which is rondylambeth.com. I also do a podcast. It, you can find it on Stitcher, Spotify, SoundCloud, iTunes. It's called The School of Wealth. And it is a podcast not only about credit, but about building wealth and having a wealthy, an all-rounded, balanced, wealthy life. 
And then on all the social media stuff, it's all Rondi Lambeth. Facebook forward slash Rondi Lambeth, Twitter Rondi Lambeth, LinkedIn, Instagram's all Rondi Lambeth. I love it. All Thanks, right. my man. Thanks, Thanks so much for, for being here. Me. Yeah, thank you for having me on here. Hey, thanks for going all in with me today. Subscribe to the show so you get the new episodes when they come out every Monday. Rate and review the show if you're listening on iTunes. Follow me on social media at Mr. Rick Jordan. As always, you can find links and references to anything we've talked about in this episode in the show notes. And finally, share this episode with someone who you think might be able to level up their life by listening. I am Rick Jordan, and I approve this message. Awesome. And you don't mind talking about credit, do you? (laughs) (coughs) Hands are sweaty.